The wheel of time turns and episodes come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. In one episode, called the third episode by some, an episode yet to come, an episode long past, a commotion rose in the mountains of the mist. to Perfect Commotion, a media exchange podcast. That means I pick something for someone to watch, play, and or read, and then we talk about it. I've got with me Dave. What have you been playing this week? Hello, I've been playing Mass Effect this week. Awesome. Nick, what have you been doing this week? This week, I have been playing the uncle who works for Nintendo. Cool. Sandy, what about you? I've been listening to We Are Undone by Two Gallants. And I am Alan, and this week I have been listening to the radio show Nebulous. Now, this is a media exchange podcast, and it wouldn't really be something if there wasn't some sort of punishment to keep us doing the actual task that we've been set. So if somebody fails, they have to watch the next Police Academy movie in line. Uh, no one's failed so far, so the betting is still on Police Academy 1, which isn't that mad of a punishment, but you do remember there are seven Police Academy movies, and one of them set in Russia. Uh, a quick note about spoilers. We are going to be spoiling things just to keep it easy so we can talk about things. But we will warn you before any major spoilers. And if you don't want to have a subject spoiled for you, check the show notes. And you there should be timings down there so you can skip ahead and miss sections you really don't want to hear. Okay. Good luck. All right. So let's get started. Uh, this week, Nick's been playing My Uncle Who Works for Nintendo, which is a horror game that I gave him. It's a little tiny flash game. So, Nick, how did you find it? I enjoyed it, which is strange because it's a horror game, but it took me a while to get into it. It's a quite simple one. It's made from twine, and it's very reminiscent of the old creepy pastas from uh, the old days of the internet, back when you have a horror story that's sort of folksy and linked into video game subculture. So uh, this one tends to involve a lot of like Nintendo 64 and Pokemon, that sort of era. And you play a young version of yourself and your best friend. You go to a sleepover, and creepy things happen. Yes, uh, I enjoyed it. It's pretty good. Um, it did take me a while to get into it, though, because for the first few times we went around it, it's, it's quite short, so you do it multiple times and there's multiple endings. Uh, I never really got anywhere. I did a couple of the endings, which were simple. You get eaten, and you try and hide and get eaten before I worked out what I meant to do. And by worked out, I mean cheated. So Alan's unhappy with me for that. Well, uh, well how, did you, how did you play the game? Because when I played it, I turned off all the lights, came off comms, I sat here in front of my computer screen, and I scared the pants off myself. I played it probably while yammering on at you and in the light. Oh, that's... that's yeah, that's not how you do horror. I don't normally do horror. I played Alien Isolation once in the dark and I could hardly sleep. Yeah. I I really want to play Alien Isolation, but I don't know how I'll get to it. I did terrify myself just before this podcast and it was made even worse because I was sat here in the dark and then Dave came online. Dave wasn't talking. And then Dave went offline and I was was terrified and then I I turned on all the lights in my flat. Yeah, so... uh, Yeah, I didn't do horror right. 
which is a perfectly fine statement. Like well, part of it was that I seem to... I did all the actions at, at, that I would do, which is what I normally do in the uh, choose your own adventures. Like, I played 80 Days and got some of the sorcery ones from like the Android version, which is quite nice. And I quite like some of those, but I always do what I would do. And that doesn't work here because it just made it be okay eaten in various different ways. I find it rarely works doing what you want to in any choose your own adventure because you always end up compromising on a situation and usually choose your adventures are you've got to be the hero all the way through or you've got to screw everyone over all the way through to get out if you deviate from like a pure path you just end up failing because you didn't tickle the boxes i disagree with the ones i played the ones by um the android developer's name i forgot uh but 80 days for example you can yeah, do that yeah. as, as you would and well that's uh, much more of a, of a journey as opposed to uh, like an adventure where you're actually trying to do something or like you're waiting for something to happen. It's, you're getting around yeah, the world. I was, I was just waiting for something to happen. I wasn't trying to do anything. I had no direction. I had just be eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out I had to like do these certain things, which was like dwelling on the uncle in question then asking the right questions, allowing myself to get punched, things like that that I wouldn't normally do. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I did it that way because there's a lot of nice content there. But I don't think I could have done it without cheating. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, other than that, I really didn't try the content, and it's a choose-your-own-adventure, so it's pretty much all content. We should say, it's not, it's not like a jump horror, and the horror sort of comes in just being a little unsettling. Yeah, it makes yeah. you feel very uncomfortable rather than actually scares you, I found. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so does music play a part in it then? Yeah, it's almost are... all audio-based. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, like, crackling thunder and uh-huh. weird atmospheric, you're going to get Ian music when the... Yeah, the uncle sound is is terrifying. <laughs> and the back. way he talks as well. Yeah. Uh, he talks in sort of broken code. At least it seems like he does. So it's like code exception and then colon and then all the red background and white text. Which is all very nice. Uh, so what's the Nintendo part? Oh, the story is that this child... Uh, this is massive spoilers, but hey. Uh, the story is that this child... Uh, your, your friend has an uncle who works for Nintendo and as a result he has all the best Nintendo things and he even has a Mew on Pokemon that can one hit K- KO anything which knocked him out in one hit also which... they're the monsters no what oh Nintendo characters are the monsters oh no 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 or... there's no monsters it's just well other than the uncle I guess oh okay uh, uh, no he has uh, he essentially has lots of nice things uh, and you find out why and how, which yeah, is the unsettling of, part. It's a bit of a play off the theme. You always had that friend who joked about they had their uncle worked at Nintendo and get them early access to all these games to make you jealous of them. Uh-huh. Kind of plays off that, but there's an actual uncle. Uh, or, or is there? <laughs> there's something they call an uncle. Yeah, yeah. I quite like how it's hardly ever described. Like you know that the your friend and his brother saw it, 
And when you're getting capture one point, you notice that it opens the door, but it doesn't have hands. And that's really all that it's described as, from what I could tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, the point is, this uncle is some sort of spooky demony ghost alien thing. Uh, it's really not defined, but he essentially has great power and can change reality as long as he gets fed. And that's your role in the sleepover. Oh, I, I should say why I gave it to you. I really, I, I'm of the opinion that everybody sort of likes horror in that sadistic way. I think it's just how much people allow themselves be, to become enveloped by the horror depends on how much they like it. Because there are lots of people who ignore it and then they go, "Oh, I really like horror," but they just like laughing at how unterrifying it is. Um, mm. And you then, sit on the other side of that fence, don't you, Alan? Yeah, you get this huge <laughs> spectrum of people. Alan's just sick and twisted. <laughs> and just... well, he turns all the lights out and lets himself be taken away by the fancy of it all and scares the pants off himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're going to do horror, do horror right. Don't... See, that's interesting, because what drives me about this game is just trying to learn about stuff. I think I really that makes like it... Lore. That adds to the sort of horrifying nature, because you're just sitting there just going, oh, what about this? And then you go, oh, no. <laughs> it's not like you're playing another horror game. You're like, okay, I can ransack this place, and I'll see if I can find some bullets in the cupboard. And then in the, in the, you know, in the trace of finding things, you open a cupboard and the monster jumps out of it. It's not like that, because you knew that was a trap set up for you. It's just like, you can ransack the cupboards. You know you're not going to find anything. In doing so, you open one, and there is not a monster there, but you, something that re- says there was a monster here before. So you find like half uh, a corpse or something like that that's obviously been eaten. And it's so it's the game isn't that good, I should say. The game, the game isn't as good as I'm describing, <laughs> but it's it's a nice, simple, pure sense of just that horror of just sort of what if you ask too many questions? <laughs> what are you going to find out? And it's I I liked it. And allow yourself to be punched. I didn't allow myself to be punched. I just hid in the cupboard. Oh, yeah, there's a few nice endings. Yeah. We should check them out. Uh, I think this is a good time for a summary, because I've not got that much more to say. Yes. I'll keep it concise. And my summary is Creepypasta. Yeah, I think that's quite good. (laughs) Dave, do you want to talk about your choice for Sandy this week? Okay, yes. So I chose Two Gallants' We Are Undone, which is Two Gallants' new album. Two Gallants are a small band from San Francisco, and they just released a new album called We Are Undone. How do you find it, Sandy? I actually quite enjoyed it, which... um, You sound surprised. Yeah, because um, I listened to it once, and I was quite on the fence. Uh, There were some that were okay, but... I think in general, I wasn't a fan of the vocals. And I a lot of the time I listen to music for the vocals. So um, I, I wasn't too enthralled in this. But I listened to it a few more times, like you suggested, and I actually quite liked it. Um, they're not a band that I'd heard of before, but uh, that really doesn't say much because I don't know many bands. I've only ever found other, one other person in the UK that knows of them, and that's because okay. he's a musical hipster a bit like me. So, <laughs> uh, I, I so wouldn't be surprised that you don't really know who they are. Am I in the hipster scene now? You are. You're going to have to get some uh, big, thick black glasses. Uh, yay! I've, I've always wanted an excuse for them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, I had a good listen, and after a few listens, it was, I have a positive view, 
and although I didn't love every song, uh, uh, enjoy. Yeah, there's a big difference in some of the songs. It kicks off with some really rocky songs, yeah, and then exactly. it falls down to some very, like, slow and very yeah folky kind of yeah indie yeah. But yeah, at the start, quite classic rock. Like we are undone. It, that's the fav- my favorite song of the album. It's just the guitar rift and yeah, it, it, it's I, good. I have to say, I prefer Incidental, but We Are Undone is a uh, great really? song. Yeah, the the song that I would say I least enjoyed was Incidental. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I thought it was quite generic, um, and th- there was there wasn't anything that stood out in the song. I re- I really liked his voice in that second song because uh, okay. he starts off at a very melodic, poppy um, mm-hmm. vocal line, but then there, there's some bits where he's got this very punkish sneer to his voice, and I, I really like how he changes seamlessly between them. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's because I'm not a real fan of punk. That might be why. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of um, Two Gallants older stuff has some punkish blues themes, but being yeah. honest, but it's quite a uh, uh, folky and um, countryish mm-hmm. a lot of the time. A lot of the guitar work is very, very intricate and very country um, styled. Mm-hmm. But but he they they whack on a lot of distortion. Yeah, and that's nice what drum I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Some of the songs, the distortion did actually work, but yeah, at first I, I just found it was way too much distortion. But I think listening to it with each listen, I did find I enjoyed it a bit more. And that was probably because I listened, I, I'd hear new things, and yeah. yeah. What did you think of uh, Katie Crowley? Katie Crowley was okay. Um, I like the little, I think it's guitar, the little guitar tune, the simple talking. I quite liked it. Yeah, it it was one of my more favourite songs on the album, though. Uh I I wanted to not like it, (laughs) because it it has some truly awfully written lyrics in it. (laughs) Because he rhymes truly, cruelly, ruly, and it's just like, ah... we get it. She was cruel to you. But the beautiful guitar and the power, yeah. powerful voice of Adam and uh, Tyson high harmonizing with him really makes it stand out. And I really loved it. Yeah. Okay. I I think Beyond Dunn's my favorite. And I also liked um, Fools Like Us and Invitation yeah. to a Funeral. Yeah. Fools Those Like were... Us uh, is the only really upbeat song on the album every mm. all the rest of them are very down and yeah quite sad the whole album seems to have a very well sad theme to it it's mm. a bit heavier than their older albums oh, okay okay yeah i think that might be why i enjoyed it because i tend to listen to sad music let's <laughs> 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 yeah. say something <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a very a whole album called Sad Songs. <laughs> it's a very cynical <laughs> album I found from them. Like We Are Undone is, it's a very cynical song. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, in uh, Adam Stevens' words, it's uh, without being too blunt about it, it's about trying to make sense of this unending pressure to acquire and consume, and usually as conspicuously as possible, that has taken hold of our con- uh, culture. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be a conversation between a father, a son, a socialist youth, and a capitalist older generation, the poor and the rich. And it, it feels a bit of an argument and just how they keep, to be honest for me, how they see he seems to be giving up on society at the moment. 
I think this one's making quite a political statement, unlike some of the earlier stuff. Okay, okay. Actually, that's that's a lie. They have some very political songs on their early albums. <laughs> Did you go and listen to any of their earlier stuff or any of the other albums? No, I didn't, but I think I definitely will after this. Yeah, so some standout tracks are uh, Steady Rolling, Las Cruces Jail, uh-huh. Despite What You've Been Told and Ride Away. There's about one track from each album. Okay. Some of them are brilliant, like uh, Las Cruces Jail is all about Billy the Kid. Mm-hmm. So, Cowboys, it's brilliant. Okay, I'll pick those out then. Yeah, because I tend to, rather than listen to entire albums, I tend to just pick songs I like, and I just listen to them over and over again. <laughs> and ruin it. Yeah. No, I, I get that view, but I like to listen to albums over and over again because I find that most of the big songs and the songs that I keep coming back to are never the singles. Yeah, because the singles true, need to be yeah. songs that you hear once and you pick up and you love. Mm-hmm. But the songs that have more depth and more, and I find better. Just you have to listen to multiple times before you actually really dig down into what they are and really enjoy them properly. Mm. yeah so this is yeah this music's quite different from what i usually listen to what what do you normally listen to um so i think uh, recently florence and the machine uh, mumford and sons of monsters and men so all kind of quite um alternate rock well not really rock maybe indie yeah i know what you mean folksy type stuff you've got some folk in there yeah yeah. Mm mm-hmm so yeah, those are the types of artists that I listen to. Just the yeah, entire so if albums you go of. Into, if you go into Two Gallant's back catalogue, you're not going to be too far adrift of what you usually listen to. Okay. It's going to have a bit more of an edge on it than you're used to, I think, yeah. with some of that because uh, yeah, they ha- they do like a lot. Well, there this band's unlike any other band I really have heard before because it's a guy who's playing very standard coke um, country melodies on his guitar with a lot of distortion and some very very good drum work in the background Mm. Uh, tyson vogel is an amazing drummer and he really allows the songs to come alive Uh uh-huh speaking of drums the uh, invitation to a funeral reminded me of the white stripes song (laughs) it was just the the beat the meg white beat i'm just (laughs) (laughs) yeah the uh comparison to White Stripes isn't too far on because it's just two guys mm, yeah so it's just a guitar and drums pretty very similar but no I, I, I know what you mean and I think yeah it's not too far removed from them well, I think not necessarily a bad mu- thing <laughs> no not at all but I think Two Gallants do have a much bigger range yes oh yeah definitely and I think this this album does show the range of music they play from some quite heavy rock all the way to some very, very light yeah, uh-huh. country. And then back to heavy rock. Murder of the Season is very good too. Yeah. I much preferred the, the first half of the album to the second half, but the more reviews, I, I read a couple of reviews just to see what people said about it, and most of them seem to think the second half is much better than the first. Uh, okay. Mm, I would say first and then middle is kind of okay. And then the last it picks up again. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I, I think it's a really good album anyway. It is good, yeah. Yeah, um, you should definitely go check out uh, 
the rest of their back catalogue because there's some brilliant, brilliant music in there. Mm. And I have to say, uh, We Are Undone has made me pick up the guitar and try and learn the, the, the guitar rift. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard a third I, I time, have... I was like, right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to try it. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. It, it's a good riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I may have done the same. <laughs> yeah, but I warn you, if you look at some of the more uh, um, country songs, his finger picking is very difficult, mm. and I've spent months trying to get my head around it and struggling. So yeah, don't uh, give up. Yeah, it's hard work, soon. but don't give up. <laughs> I can play, Do you play a... guitar normally. Then uh, no, I picked it up um, about a year ago. I played when I was in primary school, um, uh, very barely, and now I've picked it up again. So I can do a very simple version of the guitar riff in "We Are Undone." Brilliant. Did you use a tab for that or did you try and do it by ear? Um, half tab, half ear, because the tab was a little bit wrong. So I then did it by ear. Wow. Impressive. Mm. I'll have to get you to, re- to record some stuff for the <laughs> oh, intro God, I'm of not this. That good. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess um, in summary. Uh, there are a few songs that I definitely will maybe even try and purchase somewhere rather than listen on Spotify. Um, and I will check out the rest of the Two Gallants um, discography. So successful pick? Successful pick, yeah, I have to say successful pick. And I'll be playing it on Excellent. the guitar as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Maybe next week we can have you... Uh, no. That is the introduction. You play the <laughs> intro to the song. Oh, man, no. My, my skills do not match yours, Dave. Can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I gave Alan Nebulous a BBC4 radio comedy. Go. Oh, oh okay. Um, mm. Well, it's a, it's a radio comedy. On BBC, and you like it, so it's, that means, by definition, it's, it's slightly wacky, and to be fair, it is. It's set in the year 2099, after the there's been some sort of apocalypse called the Withering? Yeah, the Withering. The Withering, and it's uh, about a depo- governmental de- gov- government department called Kent, which isn't for Kent, is the key environmental, non-judgmental tax- task force. And uh, it stars the Professor Nebulus, who accidentally vaporized the Isle of Wight while trying to move it two inches to the left so it would catch more sun. And then his various companions, all of whom are very dull and only have one character trait. Um, oh, no, no, one of them has two. Maybe to tell, I, I wasn't a huge fan of this. But it's just it's siri- silly silliness on top of silliness on top of silly plots. And I feel there's no grounding... And every line is a joke, and I feel it's very difficult to sort of understand what's going on because it is just joke after joke after joke. And some of them are quite good, but some of them are just dull and fall flat. And I reckon it could benefit from a laughter track. Um, if only so you know which are the real jokes and which are just the, the jokes that fill the space. You rarely hear that from you guys. This needs yeah. a laughter track. Well, usually laughter tracks are overheard. So if you take um, 
the Big Bang Theory and you remove the laugh track, it becomes this really depressing deadpan comedy. And that's why I like it. And it, I, my problem with the laugh tracks is the pauses they put in for the laugh tracks. Yeah, yeah. That's um, usually the problem, yeah. I think because it's quite fast-paced, Nebulous. I will give it that. Like, it's, it's joke, 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 yeah. joke, 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 um, Well, shows like Big Bang, they're doing in front of an audience, so they need to wait for the laughs to die down before they continue. I think Red Dwarf's an example of a TV show that needs a laughter track and works well with it. Yeah. Because one of the latest series didn't have a laugh track and it felt really wrong. Um, Was that the yeah. Dave episode? Dave series? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. But I quite enjoy Nebulous. It's essentially Doctor Who meets Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, yeah. You could tell it was sort of parodying almost everything and everything left, right, and center. Mm. Um, which I think helped it a little bit. But, so there's, there's lots of silly inventions. In fact, one episode is entitled The Coincidence Machine. So some bits are quite weird. So when you first work out what Kent is, that gets a bit... That's, a, that's, that's funny. When they beat Loughborough, uh, the legitimate organization undertaking general humanitarian business operations and running optimum unconditional global harmony. Oh, that was a mouthful and a half. That's a, that's a nice moment. But I, I don't know don't, do how to describe how I feel about the show. Uh, do you have anything to say against that, Nick? Um, Some positive yes. words may be good. <laughs> okay, yes. I enjoy Nebulous because it's, well, it's a sci-fi sitcom. I tend to love those. And it seems to have very... It is almost everything's a reference. I mean, you look through the title of the episodes and enough of them are just references of things. I think the first episode is called The Night of the Vegetarians. Yes, yes. Which I, I think is a, quite a solid first episode. I'm not sure what you think about that. Uh, yes, it was. I think it was better than the other ones. Um, the, the dust has landed. The third episode has just completely vanished from my mind. Apart from everyone kept talking about dust. It, uh. does, it has one of my favourite quotes, that one, though. And the quote is, your plan simply doesn't hold water. In fact, it repels water, like a duck with a machine gun. See, you laughed. That's a funny show. Yeah, I, I did like the premise of Matt, this is a strange colour. That somebody invents a new colour. And it drives people insane. Yeah. By virtue of that. Murderously insane, I should say. I think part of the problem might be that a lot of it is sort of jokes that work only in its specific context like you have yeah. lots of jokes that after the withering nonsense has happened like they, they, uh, like the criminalized Lego or they worship the old TV character Bod yeah yeah. you know it, it, it's all very I guess I guess it definitely lives on Radio 4 it, 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 I find it regurgitates so many of the jokes so much and that just gets infuriating Mm, um, yeah, every, every character has a few lines they say in every episode. Not only that, it's just there's Doctor Nebulous, and then there's his assistant, who's got the hots for Doctor Nebulous big time, and that's all she ever does in any episode, apart from the episode where she she's the strange color, which is called Garrow, and then she falls in love with somebody else. Does she? No, no, no. It's the coincidence machine. And then she has lots oh, of coincidences yeah. with his other assistant, 
And then they, they, they fall in love and you know, hop on the good foot and do the bad thing. Yes. But apart from that, her, her one character trait is that she follows Dr. Nippus around and she's madly in love with him. But whenever there's an opportunity for them to like share a hotel room, she'll be like, oh, look, there's only one bed. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And it's... I don't know. Oh, yeah. it's... I'll agree with that. That is... Mm. And there's, it's, a, it's... there's a character who's hideously disabled. I forget what, what caused all of his injuries and ailments. Uh, that was the destruction of the Isle of Wight. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. The destruction of the Isle of Wight. Of course it was. Uh, but the joke with him seems to be that he'll appear and someone will go, could you let me with a hand with that? And then in this hideously distorted voice, you'll just hear, I do not have the luxury of a hand. Here, grab my metal appendage. And then that's not the joke. The joke is everyone else getting really sick and tired of him saying this thing. And it just feels like a joke's fallen flat in his face because no one's interested in it whatsoever. It's... I don't know. I, I have listened to worse shows, I should say that. But I think... I'm a big fan of the Goon Show, so... Rudy for comedies have, you know, a high mantle to hold up. Okay. I guess... Yeah. I did listen to this when I was quite a young Nick. And Back when it was first out in 2006, 7? 2005. Yeah, I didn't watch it in the first season. Listen to it. It's a radio show, you listen to them. Uh, but I think we've harped on about this now. I like it. It's not to your tastes. Uh, what's your summary of it? Do you think it's bad, or do you think it's not to your tastes? Comparison, this is going to be a surprisingly long summary. I'm going to say, The Goon Show is, is amazing... And that is very silly, but it's also quite grounded. As in, there are bits of a plot that normal, sensible people will follow. Or the plot is about tricking normal, sensible people to do silly things. Nebulous is just, what silly thing can we do now? How could we make this sillier and make a joke out of this situation? It's too much. Too much. So this week I gave Dave one of my favourite games of all time, so I apologise in advance if I uh, do any major geekouts, but I will I will control myself. Uh, and the game is Mass Effect, and it's a role-playing game, uh, and what they call it is a space opera. So Dave, how did you find it? Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying my playthrough so far. I haven't played as much as I want to, and I'm definitely going to continue playing, but... Uh... Let's just start at the beginning, because I didn't have a great start to the game. I chose this to play this game on a PC because I already owned it for some reason. And so uh, I own it on Opera, um, Origin. And so uh, I thought, oh, it'll be easy. I'll just uh, download it. I'll just uh, open it, and I'll be able to play. It took me about an hour to get get everything working, getting everything set up, and start to play. Does the hour include uh, character gen? No, this is just okay. getting it working. <laughs> right, okay. So, I'm not knocking the game, it, and it. I think it went out of development before Origin even existed, so there's some conflicts there and some other problems I was having, but... Yeah, that's just right, it's originally launched on Steam. Yeah, so that, that was oh, see. one of the major things that caused some conflict and why I actually really turning away from PC gaming in the, in the last year or so and going towards consoles. Kind of wish I just went out and bought this on uh, 360 and played it there, but I got it working on my PC in the end. So that's matter. So uh, I start off, uh, yeah, and 
studded up and decided to play as a female shepherd because apparently he's a better voice actor, I've heard. So I'd uh, see how it goes with that. So, um, yeah, so character Jen, don't really know what I'm doing here, so I just click spacer, war hero, and I decided to go soldier because it seemed the simplest. Alan got annoyed at me when I told him this earlier. He says I should play some uh, space wizard race. I t- <laughs> yeah, I chose the sniper class, which I think is a tech wizard. I don't know what the wor- in-game words are, but... Oh, um... Uh... Orange powers and a sniper rifle. I remember that pretty much, what was going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. So, so I, I, I did that, and then this was before work one day. And so I finished the first cutscene and I had to shoot off. So I, I made some notes of my first watch through the first cutscene until I'm on the ship. And they are... Looks a lot like Halo. <laughs> Nihilus, he's the bad guy, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the bad guy. He looks like the bad guy. And then Joker, is that Seth Green? I can't yes, take him seriously. Is. Chris Griffin can't <laughs> fly a spaceship. I've changed my opinion on that now. I love him in it. It's brilliant. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that were my first um, impressions of it. But so this game uh, feels a lot like um, Star Wars Knights of the, the Old Republic, if you played that. I haven't, yeah. but a, uh, a lot of people have said Bio- if you like Mass Effect, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's another Bioware game, and I, I really loved that game. So coming into this, it actually felt similar. So I, I managed to start playing quite easily. But it does feel a bit old at the moment now, playing, going back to play it. I think mm. all the Bioware RPGs sort of aged not terribly great. Yeah. Oh, really? You go back and play Knights of the Old Republic, and I know it's still fun, but it doesn't have the sort of the pizzazz and the pace of modern gaming. No. Which... I tried to get into that. Uh, I've never played it before. And I have to admit, I couldn't. I lost my geek cred. Yeah. No, it, it, this one also feel, feel, um, started and fit into that category because the, the combat is very clunky, I found. Oh, the combat is awful. What difficulty did you play? I, I played it on casual because I'm playing to okay. see what the game is more yeah. rather than the combat because I got told it was clunky going in and if I wanted combat, jump to the second, but I want to see the story from the beginning. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, the combat is awful. It, they, they really did fix it in number two. Yeah, it's very similar to number three, I've been told, and I do like the multiplayer in number three. Yes, That's all yeah. I've played in number three. I've not played any of the story in three, <laughs> just the multiplayer. We've played hours of Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, really haven't have. we? Yes. Yeah, I have as well. Yeah, it's You're really starting this backwards. Yeah, I, I did. I started at the end, but now, now I'm going back to the beginning and learning why that game was good. Yeah, yeah, that's so, so uh, you yes. Were, sorry, you were completely wrong about Nihilus then. I was completely wrong about <laughs> Nihilus. Like, first thing happens, we get down onto the ground, and he gets shot in the head by... Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on, that's like the first half an hour of the game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that is um, by yeah. uh, Saren. Yeah. Yeah. Whose ship looks a lot like a giant robo-hand. <laughs> giant tentacle monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so one thing I also mention, in the combat... I've been so programmed by playing so many shooters, R is reload. In Mass Effect, R is not reload, it's throw grenades. 
this this problem didn't last long, I have to admit, because I ran out of grenades very quickly, so it wasn't a problem. Can you not keybind? I probably could, but okay. I'd just be keybinding it somewhere else and then hitting R anyway. Yeah, two conditions from hours and hours of TF2. They put ammo back in Mass Effect 2, so when you move on to the next game, you're going to have to relearn that behavior. Oh, man. That's why it's so casual, so I can just run through combat. <laughs> so, yeah. So, gone through Eden Prime. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, one of my first... Uh, it, because uh, Mass Effect has a big moral choice system in the game. And I think I came to my first moral choice just after they, we get to the dig site. I found two guys hiding in a hut. Well, with two scientists, and the assistant was going crazy for some reason. And so, uh, so she, the woman said, I gave him his medication. He'll be fine in a few minute, minutes. I got the option, doesn't matter, I'll help. Thinking, oh, I, I'm going to help. I'm meant to be a good character. <laughs> I punched him in the head, knocked him out. <laughs> So it looks like I'm playing an evil character now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, did you notice that? I think it's top right is the good, the nice person choice. I've noticed that choice. now. Okay. <laughs> I like that it didn't come up because I did giggle to myself for a bit. Yeah, that's very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, that happened. But I, I find that this game also has the annoying Fallout style talking it doesn't really feel natural when you're conversing with people and i always end up going in circular conversations yeah, yeah. that, that, yeah. that one, uh, option don't fade away or don't disappear once you've said that thing yeah so you can repeat I, yourself i get very bored by the by talk like that and i always skip lots of it and then go around in circles so it, it gets i find it irritating but in this one had it just like full out or any of the, this style mm-hmm. game. I like that in a game, though. I like that it gives me the option, because there are sometimes when I play some games, and I'm like, oh, just let me ask one question about what you just told me. No, I, I understand that, and I don't think there's a better way, but it's not a style of thing I like. Mm. I do skip it about 80 cents. Well, I don't skip well, it. I mash through all the options, so I, I get yeah, all the encyclopedia entries. Yeah, I find myself pressing all the options just to find everything out. Yeah, I find myself also running around the world hitting E on everything just to try and get the codex score going up. <laughs> I've been conditioned by games that if I see a score going up, it means I'm doing something right. I love reading all the little codex things. I love just the lore of the place. Especially yeah. when I was on the Citadel. And it's like, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? Ooh, yeah, yeah, no. What's that? I was meaning this when I was running around the Citadel. They really had that. Yeah. Also, Especially like, those little uh, robot men. Yes. You don't know what they're for. What to do? What, the keepers. Oh yeah, the keepers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found a guy tinkering with one. <gasps> did you tell him off? Yeah. I talked to him. At, uh, not much, apparently. I got bored of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I really like walking around the citadel because you overhear lots of um, interesting conversations. Mm. Mm-hmm. My favorite, walking past a pair of humans, was "Don't kid yourself. It's bigger than it looks." <laughs> So I I had to stop and walk around and stand next to them to see what they're talking about. And they were talking about, I think it was the Ascension ship. Or it was a big, big big-ass ship. 
They were talking okay. about. Okay. I know the one you're talking about. Um, yeah, and. Oh, Ascension, but, yes. Oh, but that's Destiny, not what yeah. I thought when I first heard it's bigger than it looks. <laughs> it made me giggle. Also, one other good thing I found in the Citadel was uh, the cheesy elevator music. Mm, the music, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I liked it, but it just... You were standing in, in the elevator so awkwardly, and then there's that For so cheesy long music as well. playing. I know. So long. <laughs> they, yeah, they make a joke about that in Mass Effect 2, which I find quite interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They hid um, loading scenes in elevators, so the elevators aren't placed around the world where there would be an elevator. It's just, oh, we need to uh, keep you here for a few seconds <laughs> yeah. while we uh, unload the last room and load the next one up. <laughs> <laughs> like on the ship. Just, why does the lift take so long? What's going on? Where am I going? Uh, faster than light spacecraft. <laughs> and it's got really slow elevators. <laughs> yeah. I think there seems to be some... Uh, sorry, this is jumping ahead a bit, but in, in 2 and 3, there's some drama with the ship designer because they keep moving things around the ship and they keep mentioning why they move things around the ship and it's really weird. Well, it kind of works because I, they, they try and make everything a bit more accessible. Yeah, 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 I think it does work, but it's it's odd reading the in-game reasons because it doesn't mm. tell you, like, oh, it's just nicer. It's like some stupid thing. I don't know. They're trying to justify everything then. Yeah, yeah, like within world reasons, and it doesn't quite work uh, out. But you'll 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 get to that when you get to it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So um, after Eden Prime, I woke up on the Normandy. Is it the ship? Yes. In the sick bay, and it said, um, "Head to the captain. Go talk to the captain." And so I, I was trying to leave the room, but I couldn't find the door. <laughs> I could only find a vending machine. Or what I thought was a vending machine, which turned out when I walked up near it, it was a door, but it didn't look like a door. It definitely looked like a vending machine. I never had that. I, I've never mistaken a door for a vending no, machine. No, me neither. So it's just... <laughs> I think I just I, tend I to walk twice. everywhere. I didn't spend yeah. time to look around. I didn't analyse my situation. She's like, Run! <laughs> well, I, I'm really liking it. I've um, just left the Citadel for the first time off to Theros uh, for the first mission. Haven't really done much more, but I'm definitely going to be playing this game a lot more. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. When I first started playing, I thought there was a lot of... It, it was a big walking cliche. because It felt so like Star Wars, has some Star Trek references in it. But the more and more I play it, it the more and more... It feels its own thing, and I'm I, I like it, and I'm going. I, to I think more. it's it's very difficult to have sci-fi that doesn't feel like it's borrowing elements from somewhere else, mm-hmm. just because sci-fi is so entirely made up. Because like old westerns, you can just go, you know, you can find pictures, you can find actual accounts, but like sci-fi, there's nothing there, so you have to base it off. I want my universe to be a bit like this universe, but different. So yeah. you need those little clues to link it together. I feel like it's the same thing in fantasy now. When you make yeah. something, you're, you're going to be stealing a bit from uh, um, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Yeah, well, that was just intense, so... I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, stealing from Lord of the Rings. No. 
Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask, because you said you didn't really like the amount of dialogue on it. What did you actually find? Uh, how did you actually find the voice acting? It was good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know how to say much more than that. It it didn't feel forced. It it felt natural. Uh-huh. Which made me enjoy it without think taking me out of the situations, which is all you really can ask for mm. with it. Because yeah, it's really hard to go, that was great voice acting. It's much easier to go, that was shite. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I think they did the voice acting really well in Mass Effect 1, but then in 2 and 3, they started bringing a lot of celebrities, so quite well-known yeah. Hollywood people. Yep. Yeah. And when that happens, it tends to, they either do really good jobs or awful jobs. <laughs> I think uh, Martin Sheen did good. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic, fantastic, yeah. I'm trying to find out who uh, did the voice acting for Manchep. Uh, um, and the fact I can't find it shows that they just voice got somebody. Actor. Um, <laughs> no one. No shit. <laughs> As in, not a, a Hollywood actor. Um, I can't remember the name Sorry. of him. Oh, uh, Mark Mir. Oh, Mark Mir. That's. But Jennifer Hale's done so much stuff. Oh, Mark Mir, he's got a nice repertoire as well. I mean, oh, yeah? he's, he's done Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter, Knights of the Old Republic, Neverwinter, Dragon Age Origins, uh, Dragon Age Origins Awakening. Uh, he's done lots of things, but almost exclusively with Bioware. So he's, he's, he's good as well, but he's no Jennifer Hale. Oh. Well, I, I find him a bit dry. I mean, if you listen to the two voices that say, this is Commander Shepard, this is my favourite story of the Citadel, which is an amazing moment you've got to look forward to. <laughs> If you listen to the male version of that versus the female version of that, I think that tells you. I always found Manchip a bit sort of monotonous and, yeah, let's do this. Mm, that's true. I found myself playing Manchip mainly because I could make more realistic-looking characters male than I could female. I played one as Manchip, and then I lost my save, so I started from two uh, from scratch. Uh. And then played as female Shepard because I thought, well, let's see what this is like. Mm. And then I messed in the character creation a bit, mm. and she looks like a Solarian, <laughs> so her eyes are very big and rotated and moved upwards slightly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very off-footing when you notice, but it's, it's one of those... It's one of those faces that looks perfectly normal, like from head on, from what you see in the yeah, character creator. And then an any other angle, you're just like, what went wrong with your face? Something. <laughs> I just clicked on uh, Standard Shepherd uh, because I really couldn't be bothered to change what? it. What? Yeah. I always spend hours in character, character gen. It's unhealthy. Well, I'd spent an hour trying to get the game to work. <laughs> Understandable. So I, I just, yeah, I decided, screw it. I just want to get into the game, see what it's like. I've heard Dragon Age Inquisitions uh, has a good character generator. Yes, apart from the hair. Hours. Um, yeah, the hair is. I've heard the thin. hair is just static. Yes, and... yeah. Sometimes it, yeah, it comes off. Well, not comes off the head, but it just doesn't really fit. Yeah, yeah. So they're getting better, but they've got some way to go before. I always find you if you make something that looks like you, you hit the uncanny valley very quickly. Yeah. Sorry, we should talk about something other than making characters. Well, in summary, I, I'm enjoying this game, and I'll be playing a lot more of it, and I'm sure you'll, I'll be telling people about my adventures as I go. Yay! 
at this point we should say Dave definitely is actually telling us about his adventures because we've decided to start a new segment called Dave's Magical Space Journey where <laughs> every two weeks Dave is going to recount us his last his latest adventures as Shepard flying through the stars and I think I'll, it'll be I'll an interesting together, way to I'll, review I'll the story series. together next time uh, yeah. I, I could tell you about this, my uh, magical trip to the uh, intergalactic uh, strip club <laughs> I never get this quest because you, you get an option where it's like, oh, I'll see you later. And then you just can never talk to anybody ever again. Yeah. I ended up getting a lap down. <laughs> that was weird. That goes on forever <laughs> until you leave. I was clicking on things so I just sat down. <laughs> Did you even pay uh-huh. her? Uh-huh. We've all used that excuse before, Dave. Are you able to pay them? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> but then you can lean forward and then sit back <laughs> and lean forward. Yes, yes you could. <laughs> Yeah. That is the weirdest level of interaction ever for a strip. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to lean. <laughs> yeah, that, that bit is weird. Yeah, this game definitely has a lot of um, sexual things in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of boobs. Yeah, got that yeah. to because when the first boobs. When you get the first cutscene with Saren in his ship, with the matriarch next oh, to him. Oh yeah, cleavage. She has this um like big black crown that covers all of her apart from like her face <laughs> and her boobs. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... it was a bit um of a contrast. Especially since he's a alien. Does he like boobs as well? <laughs> Apparently. And every other person you see in space has this huge armor on. <laughs> apart from her. Because she's special. <laughs> Yeah, her, what she was wearing looks very, very like what the women in the strip club are wearing. Well, they are a sorry, if you know what I mean. That was a terrible joke. You <laughs> <laughs> just got a whole race of people whores, Alan. Oh, you know what happens when they inbreed. Dave, you've got that to look forward to as well. <laughs> I'm regretting my choice of Dave's magical space adventures. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you should totally get Monster Hunter. Anyway, moving on. Oh, but Monster Hunter's fun. <laughs> yeah. And you hunt monsters. Alan raises a valid point. Did you say hump? We'll oh, have this conversation monsters. right now. You can mount them and topple them. <laughs> Although you can mount them. And I think this conversation should end now. <laughs> All right, um, moving on. This week, we decided to add something extra into the mix. So, we decided to find a piece of media that we could all watch, and then we'll all talk about it for the end. Dave had the magical idea, which no way he regrets, of uh, watching something this week. Do you want to say what you picked, Dave? Yeah, well, um, the day before reco- last recording, I heard that um, there's a show, a, a pilot episode for one of my favorite books. Uh, this is a Wheel of Time series. So I was like, oh... That was on last night, so let's just watch that and review it, not really knowing what the media was. And so, um, this is a, it's the pilot to um, The Eye of the World by Robert Jordan, a series uh, which was completed by Brandon Sanderson after Robert Jordan's death. And so it's produced by Red Eagle Productions on behalf of Universal. And it um, shows a conversation between Luz uh, Ferrin and um, Ishmael, the portrayal of Hope. And so I thought, hoped this was going to be a good representation of it all and an honest 
try to get a, a show going in a similar vein to Game of Thrones and after the success of Game of Thrones and uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But it's not didn't quite turn out like that. Uh, so, no, a bit of what's a everyone's opinions there, on it? Well, I want my time back. I was surprised it was released in 2015 because the first thing I thought was just 90s animation. Oh my god! Uh, trans Transformers Beef Wars, Transformers Beef Wars, not Transformers, Transformers Beast Wars has better animation than that intro sequence. <laughs> what year oh was that? Oh my god! It's just oh I don't know when Beast Wars was around. Beast Wars was amazing though. The first time you said that, I thought you said Beef Wars, which would be a much better TV show. Yeah. Well, so does anyone know where this was filmed or, or made? <laughs> it was made like four days before it was there. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> really? it was produced in four days to stop Red Eagle uh, and uh, Red Eagle Productions losing the rights to the TV show of Wheel of Time. Oh, so they had to make something. They had to make something that. and um, yeah, release it and before it. something okay. like the eleventh of February, and they did it on the night of the tenth at two a.m. <laughs> they actually paid the TV company. To broadcast it, yeah, yep. I heard that too. At two o'clock in the morning, yeah. yeah. So there's there's a we there's a lawsuit now going on between Red Eagle and the uh, Wheel of Time widow uh, Harriet uh, because she said that um, they had nothing nothing to do with it, and she said it wasn't a true representation of Wheel of Time and blah blah blah. So they're suing her for defamation and libel and slander, I think. Oh wow! Which is a disappointment because it means the rights to these, this show is going to be tied up in a legal battle for years mm. to come, and it's a real shame because it's a great, great story that could be done amazingly well now. But I don't know if that's the case because I reckon it will be thrown out quite quickly because this has already been done with Transform. Uh, no, Fantastic Four. It was a Fantastic Four movie made in the nineties, and they didn't tell anyone they weren't releasing it until after production was done. Mm-hmm. And the cast got very angry and tried to sue, and they didn't get anywhere with that. But they have they have less for hold. But I mean, it's a similar yeah, situation. Because, well, their rights for that one was just to produce it. There was nothing in the contract that said it had to be released. Yeah. This contract said it had to be produced and released, and they've done that on time. Mm. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was not good. It was. It What's... did feel very rushed with lots of cheap, cheap CGI effects. Also, ninety percent of what they were saying, as someone who has uh, not known anything about the Wheel of Time series, was gibberish. Wasn't okay. it a name though? That was the most said word. It was just like Angela or something like that. Um, Elana. Elana. Yeah, that was it. That, that was, was the name just... of Lucifer's wife. Do you want me to quickly summarize what happened in that scene? Yeah, he shouts a lot over and over again. Alexa okay, or something. so this <laughs> is crazy. Yes, he is. This is Luce uh, Ferran. He's um, also referred to as a dragon. Um, before this happened, he led a group of Aes Sedai to defeat the Dark One in battle, and they captured him. They couldn't defeat him, so they captured him in a tomb. And by doing that, they tied what's called the One Power to it, or the male half of the One Power. And so that meant any males that could wield the one power um, were, was tainted by the darkness and drove them crazy. So this is a, like a few years or so after the victory over dark, the Dark One, or Shaitan, as they call him. And he's gone crazy and he's killed his wife and destroyed his family. 
and this is Ishmael, which is who is uh, the, one of the Forsaken, which is an I said I that fights on behalf of the Dark One, come to kill Luciferin. And so he comes and has a conversation, but Luciferin doesn't know what he's done and has gone already gone crazy. And it's just how he then and the hundred companions that he took to defeat the Dark One have gone crazy and now destroying the world. And so the rest of the plot is set in the next turning of the wheel when the dragon, well, Luciferin's in the dragon, but he's reborn. And this signals that... Um, the coming of the Dark Ones, escape from his tomb, and uh, the, the refighting of the last battle will happen. This is all gibberish. Okay, so so the big bad guy. Let's it's call him better Elvis. Than the, the pilot. <laughs> so, so the big bad guy. He after this episode, he escapes, kills everybody, and then gets imprisoned. No, no. This is before this episode. The big like the, the guy, the Dark One, is basically Satan. Yes, and they yeah. imprison him in a tomb. Yeah, but by doing that, they ha- they give up their power, and by tying it to the tomb, which also ties it to the Dark One, who taints <laughs> it with this darkness, and oh, that drives them crazy. Uh, yeah, that's why. Yeah, he drives them crazy, um, and then and they, they reborn. Their magic is taken away from the tomb and put to new bodies. Not quite. Yada yada yada. But yeah, well, let's let's go with that. See, the problem was I had no reason to care about any of this, so That's the because two this... old people talking in a house for half an hour yeah. was no. just gibberish to me. Yeah. yeah, there was no backstory, and well, I was just like, what's going on? Backstory. It's a very, very mm. um, true-to-book representation of the prologue, which can That's be written... That's they didn't have to hire writers. Yeah, which, is written, which can be read in about five minutes. It's literally five pages of text. They make a 20-minute episode out of it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It doesn't sound like a good representation. I'm with the widow. Well, no. If you, well, if you took that chapter, the prologue, and made it into an episode, this is exactly what it would be if it done better. But the dialogue's word for word what's in the book. Hmm. I know it's absolutely terrible, but I, I think the one thing they did right was showing the split between him being a bit... Not quite understand the real world. I actually really and liked the casting in it. I, I didn't know who anyone else was in there. I didn't know who they were meant to be. So oh, the other guy was... Um, there were two wizards and no Tim Curry. Well, there's, um, there's no Luce Tim Ferren, Curry, Dave. And there was, Billy, and there was um, Ishmael. And Ishmael was played by Billy Zane, who's quite famous. No bad guy good guy? Um, the bad guy. He was in the Titanic, he's in Dead Titanic, Car, yeah. Twin Peaks. He had a small part in Back to the Future, Psych he's been in, and he had a single line in Zoolander. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that. The cameo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's on... Uh, yeah. So, I actually really liked the, the casting, and I thought it was quite well done. And I'd like to see Billy Zane come back and play Ishmael again, if it was ever to be made. But he can't save the franchise. It's awful. Did anyone see the dagger? And it just looked like someone took a child's toy and painted it up a little bit. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> well, I saw really low res version. I watched it on YouTube, and it was just really low res. I couldn't see a thing. Yeah, that's I think where we all saw it. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but yeah, it really wasn't very well done, and I really hope they lose the rights. Because I want to see it this done better with a big budget. Yeah, properly. They'd have a different cast then, most likely, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, but the thing is, Perhaps. you saw two people in that, one of whom is going to be dead now, and the <laughs> other one is not very seen very often, so you could change him quite easily. Okay. Mm. It, they've, they've done it so My well, but if they, if they can get funding, they wouldn't have to recast because you wouldn't see anyone because it revolves around uh. a... Um, some other characters who aren't even born for the next thousand years or so. Yeah, this was all just a massive prologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like if someone decided to make Lord of the Rings um, TV show and just took the prologue and made an entire episode about that. Oh my god, that would be so different. Imagine yeah. someone saying, watch Lord of the Rings and then showing you only the party. Yeah. You would have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Well, they might find out all the interesting stuff in the background, like Caleb Limbrow. And yeah, anyways, I'm not going to go into talking mythology. Yeah, so I'm not. So it, it's done. It's done badly, but it could be great. Because my impression of the show was um, that it was made for people who'd read the book, but even having read the book, it's still a bad pilot. Is that true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it's because it was shipped out the door in four days. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. If you take that into account, did they do it kind of well? Uh, they, they, I think they did it very cleverly with what they had to play with. Uh-huh. And I think in, what, in the time and the money they spent, they did an incredible job. But it wasn't what people were wanting, and it wasn't what they could do with it. Hmm. I want my half an hour back. <laughs> it wasn't well, that bad. You can't take it from the director because he's now dead. Oh, not, not as sort of retribution by anybody for the terrible <laughs> show that you produced. I think no matter whose skill you give them four days from start to finish to get like. Well, yeah, I think was... I, I think he did a great job in the time he had and yeah. the resources they used, but it could have been done so well. Yeah, I think having a prologue bottle episode is not a way to do things no it really isn't well i think we all agreed it was produced for you know legal reasons which is is never an incentive to produce a good tv show so i think no matter how the well i'm apprehensive about how a wheel of time tv show would play out even if the um no matter who gets the rights because i think this show isn't representative of how anybody would want to make the movie make the tv show but no it'd have to be done on a big scale like Game yeah. of Thrones that's the well, only that's what I'm saying it, it would either be very good like Game of Thrones and they'd make it quite well or it would be like a terrible knockoff do you guys remember when Lost was on the air yeah, and there yes. were hundreds and thousands of yeah. mystery TV shows that just went on for so long and didn't tell you anything and they were all pants even Lost but people kept watching Lost season one of Lost was brilliant yeah mm-hmm. the yeah. rest wasn't the problem is, though, uh, it's now been just confirmed that they were making an episode going along. Yep. I mean, we all knew, but it's been confirmed. I, I spoke to my brother about this, and he says, like, some episodes are good, and I imagine, I think there's too much now to go back and watch it. But if you're watching it at the time, it was probably good. And he says there are individual episodes that are absolutely genius, but the problem is you need the thousands of hours of backstory <laughs> to get the intricacies of what's going on. And it's amazing hearing him talking about this, because he's like, oh, and then like this was talking about like season two, episode three, or something like this, and it's just like, what are you talking about? I've got no idea. <laughs> no, I think the plot of Loss is two wizards fighting again. 
That seems to be a common theme upon modern TV shows. Tim Curry? Uh, I think it was... My brother explained this to me at one point, and Lost is about two wizards who are fighting each other, and they can travel through time, but they can't change time, really. So they have a... Um, Sort of the opposite of uh, Back to the Future style time travel. So if you go back in time and change something, you actually already made the change, and so nothing ever mm-hmm. happened. And but they they have descendants, and eventually their bloodlines cross. And this new super wizard, he can tra- time travel and he can change time. And so it's about these two wizards fighting, and then another wizard appears. But I haven't seen any hats, so I don't know how long you have to watch Lost before that becomes apparent. Um, I watched a season five, and it wasn't really apparent then. So was the smoke monster a wizard? I think that was one of the wizards. I don't know if that was a super wizard or just a normal wizard. Anyway, I think we've um, gone a long way from where we started. (laughs) I'm so confused right now. Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) But I think with this show, we we all decide that it was done for legal reasons, but don't watch it. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say... I am. I'm going to say that. Be warned. (laughs) It is genuinely bad. If... There isn't much else to say about that. There was no, no sort of. It, yeah. it was made very quickly, very cheaply. It, it's not a good representation of. What's the intro? And then what's the intro to Beast Wars? Oh. Which is actually a really good series. You should watch that because it's got time traveling Starscream. Sorry. It does look like something from the 90s. Mm. It is from the 90s. Oh, wait, not Beast Wars. <laughs> Beast Wars is from the 90s. Beast Wars is definitely from the 90s. Beast Wars is 96. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. If you, if you watch the introduction, I'd have placed it roughly around then and like roughly mm. about like Xena the Warrior Princess time. <laughs> oh, I should watch that. Oh, don't give him ideas. <laughs> well, no, because he's going to make you watch it. Yeah. You can't watch the You have to help me fight the Gormalaga. Quick question Has everyone here seen Buffy? Yes. Uh, also, no, Dave. not really. Whoa. I'm surprised you, <laughs> you, you compare... I've um, seen a few episodes. Oh, what's his... Oh, I'm Seth Green. I'm surprised your first thought of Seth Green is to go for uh, Chris from Family Guy and not Oz from Buffy. Uh, Army died when you just did that. <laughs> he's Oz from Buffy. What? I oh, watched Scotty Buffy from, uh... when I was like like 13 growing up and yeah, it was there, but I've not watched it. I've never gone back to it. Yeah, but he's still Oz. Yeah. He's a little werewolf. He's cute. I also would have said Scotty from. Ignored the spoiler. I was thinking more Scotty from Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm, maybe yeah. Or any of uh, Robo sure. Chicken. I'm writing down that he hasn't watched uh, Buffy. Dave. <laughs> I've watched all of Buffy. I, I saw it when I was like 13. I was a huge fan then. I just don't remember it. I think Dave's trying to weasel out of watching Buffy again. I really don't want to watch Buffy. It was really good, Dave. What are you doing? You to watch Buffy. You're going to start with season two because season one is butts. No, season one's amazing. Oh, you're so anyway, we really have no, gone yeah, off topic. Go um, <laughs> next week, we've decided to do something a little different from the usual order of the media exchange. After an argument between me and Nick last week, we've decided to talk about two movies. We're going to talk about The Matrix, and we're going to talk about Inception. We're going to try and determine which one's better, despite the fact that it may seem obvious to everyone out there apart from Nick. But we will try and see which is the better, and which one we like more, and everything about those two movies. So, um, thank you for listening to Perfect Commotion, Episode 3. 
You can find us online at perfectcommotion.co.uk, on Twitter at, at perfectcommotion. That's with one M due to Twitter names. And if you want to give us feedback, you can email us at feedback at perfectcommotion.co.uk. You can also email any of us at our names at perfectcommotion.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.